You are listening to Pandora's Box Radio with Kalia LaRoche. For more information about my products and services, counseling, coaching, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com or PathBackToSelf.com. Hello, and welcome to Pandora's Box. This is Kalia. And today, the topic of our podcast is healing your narcissistic abuse story. The stories we tell ourselves directly impact how we feel. The problem is that our stories are often subconscious and automatic. We don't think much about the impact they have on us. We tell them out of habit. And habits form in the subconscious mind when we repeat something enough times. Most often, the stories we tell ourselves are destructive. They plant negative seeds in our consciousness, and those negative seeds bear negative fruit. In order to create a more positive and fulfilling life, it's important to look honestly and deeply at the stories you're telling yourself about a circumstance in your life that you are trying to overcome. Whether it be that narcissistic relationship, financial issues, health issues, or other relationship issues, our stories can keep us from moving on to another level. The first step is to identify your stories. What is it you're trying to overcome? I want to begin by talking about a topic that many of you are familiar with, and that's narcissistic abuse. Now, narcissistic abuse is a type of trauma, as any abuse is. The issue with narcissistic abuse is that it is often so subtle that most people don't recognize it as abuse. Like the frog thrown into a pot of water, the heat is turned up ever so slowly so that the frog doesn't realize it's cooking until it's too late. Most people coming out of a narcissistically abusive situation are suffering from trauma. They have PTSD of the complex variety. One of the symptoms of PTSD is the spinning of stories. Telling one story over and over again can initially help with the processing of trauma, but there comes a point where it actually has a reverse effect. It keeps one stuck in the trauma. Talking about what happened is necessary and helpful in the beginning, but if you continue to tell your story over and over again to yourself or to others, You may very well re-traumatize yourself on some level every time you tell your story. You keep the trauma alive and the memories don't get filed away where normal memories go. People with PTSD replay a memory over and over again as if it just happened, where with normal memories, they fade in time and have less of an impact on us. There's actual psychological reasons for those suffering from PTSD to get stuck in their stories. Learning to get unstuck is a process, and you may need help to get through this part. A common story that one might get stuck in is the victim story. This is what he did to me. Some of the victim stories I've heard are pretty intense. 
the individual I'm talking with really has been victimized. And although I'm not a fan of being stuck in your victim story, I do acknowledge that sometimes we really are victims. However, when we identify strongly with the victim archetype and are constantly finding ourselves in situations where we feel victimized, we need to start looking at what we might be doing to continue to attract people and circumstances into our lives where we feel victimized. I work with victims of narcissistic abuse. I call them victims because they are. They often have no idea that the person that they're with is a narcissist, a pathological liar, a con man or woman, a sex and porn addict, a cheater, and completely lacking in empathy and the ability to take responsibility for his or her actions and behavior. Narcissists misrepresent themselves and lie about who they are. They're very good at what they do and have a strong ability to use their charm and their charisma to hook new victims. Narcissists exploit those closest to them, using them for their own gain. They gaslight, project, and blame the other in such a way that the victim ends up being very confused and traumatized. Many people I talk with will tell me, I should have known. But how can you know, especially if you had no exposure to narcissistic personality disorder? Most people don't believe that other people could be capable of doing the things that the narcissist is capable of doing. They're in such shock and disbelief that they create stories in attempt to normalize the abnormal toxic behavior. The narcissist is so convincing that the victim is the one with the problem that the victim begins to believe there's something wrong with her or with him. An example might be that a narcissist is having an extramarital affair, and when the victim suspects that something's going on and confronts the narcissist, the narcissist immediately finds fault with the victim for bringing up such a thing. The victim is accused of being needy, insecure, and jealous. The truth is that the narcissist is having an affair, but he hides it behind psychological attacks on the one who's attempting to get answers. Because the narcissist can be so convincing, the victim begins to believe she is needy, insecure, and jealous, and begins to doubt herself and find fault with herself. The victim is conditioned to believe she's the problem and gets into a pattern of blaming herself for the issues in the relationship. So both the victim and the perpetrator are blaming the victim. The victim has no idea that she even is a victim. There's usually some kind of shocking wake-up call that exposes the lies and brings the roof down on the victim. It might be that she finds evidence that he is indeed having an affair, such as a text message thread that she reads when he's in the shower. When she confronts him again about the affair and brings her evidence to the table, the focus is instantly redirected to how she invaded his privacy And this kind of behavior is exactly why he's having the affair in the first place, because she's so needy, suspicious, jealous, and insecure. 
So even when she has evidence of the affair, she still ends up believing it's her fault. Now, I'm using the female gender to describe the victim here because I work with mostly women. However, the victim could just as easily be a man. Coming out of a situation like this, the victim tells her story over and over again to try to convince herself that she really isn't insecure, needy, jealous, and suspicious. She was actually acting on instinct. She knew something wasn't right. But the program that there was something wrong with her is pretty deeply ingrained by this time. It can take some deep work to change the program. Now, a narcissist lives in a distorted reality and pulls his victims into his distorted reality with him. The victim unknowingly abandons her own reality and is absorbed into the distorted reality. She begins to believe the lies and the distortions. She may begin to believe she's going crazy. She may question her own sanity and mental and emotional health. She may go to a doctor and get put on anti-anxiety or antidepressant medications to deal with the symptoms. She may be diagnosed with an anxiety disorder or something else, which the narcissist may run with. He might say, see, I told you that you had a problem. The narcissist methodically breaks down the victim through psychological manipulation. Because the victim holds to the belief that the narcissist really loves her, cares about her, and has her best interest at heart, she can't identify the behavior as abuse. She typically accepts responsibility for the problems or tries to get him to change his behavior, which is a losing battle. The victim may find herself walking on eggshells, afraid to set him off because she will experience another round of psychological attacks on her character. Her anxiety levels rise as she attempts to manage the behavior of the narcissist in order to try to have a more peaceful environment. But it's really quite impossible to manage such an environment because the problem really isn't with the victim. There's nothing she can do to prevent him from projecting his disowned pain onto her. Although spinning stories is something that can happen to nearly everyone, it tends to be worse with a victim of narcissistic abuse, which is why I go into depth in this episode. The victim of narcissistic abuse spins a story about what happened to her as a way of reorienting back to her own version of reality from the distorted reality she was living in. When I talk about spinning stories, I'm referring to the process of telling the same story over and over again, getting caught up in that story, or obsessively repeating the story in your head. This usually is a victim story that is being repeated because there is a true victim here, and she needs to convince herself that this was not a normal relationship. Her knowledge that there was abuse and trauma helps her to understand that she isn't going crazy. She's been a subject of narcissistic abuse. This is why victims of abuse get obsessed about researching narcissistic personality disorder, 
watching videos and immersing themselves in information about the abuse. It helps them to orient back to their own reality where they're not the crazy one, but the victim of abuse. People who haven't experienced narcissistic abuse, including many therapists, may say things to the victims of abuse that are not at all helpful. Some people are told to stop being a victim. They're told, can't you just get over it already? Just let it go. Now this reintroduces the doubt in the mind of the victim that she's crazy, that there's something wrong with her. She can't just let it go. But she can't let it go because the trauma is still activated and she's trying to process through it. When I work with victims of abuse, I listen to them tell their story, giving them a platform to be heard completely without judgment. And then I validate them for what they've gone through. Sometimes it is the first time a victim of abuse has felt validated because well-meaning friends, family, and therapists tend to invalidate their experience, projecting normalcy onto a situation that is far from normal. I do bring a sense of normalcy in when I tell them that it's completely normal to feel the way they're feeling after experiencing the type of trauma that they've experienced. As I listen to the story, I note the things I intuitively pick up on. I listen to where the trauma is, what the person is believing about herself or himself as a result of the trauma, where the issues are, and what is preventing that person from moving forward. Although recovery from narcissistic abuse can be a long, slow process, it's much slower if the trauma is not adequately processed through. There are usually core wounds involved that tell the client that she's not good enough, not enough, unworthy of love, stupid, unattractive, or a number of other core wounds and beliefs. Although these core wounds have likely been incurred in early childhood and encoded into false beliefs, the narcissistic abuse has activated these beliefs and a part of her mind assesses that the narcissist wouldn't have treated her this way had she been good enough, lovable, worthy, etc. So she blames herself for the abuse even after she has a conscious, rational understanding of narcissistic abuse. A conscious, rational understanding of the abuse is not enough to heal the core wounds and beliefs. A deeper process is needed. The stories that victims of abuse tell about their abuse and the assessments they make show where the core wounds and beliefs are. An individual might tell me that the narcissist told her he cheated because she was flawed in some way, and the woman he cheated with didn't have those flaws. Although she might understand on a rational level that this isn't true, her core wounds have been activated, and part of her believes that if she had only been as good as the other woman, he wouldn't have done this. 
She blames and shames herself for not being enough, not being lovable. A story is not just telling about what happened, but rather the conclusions one has drawn as a result of what happened. He had an affair because I was inadequate. This is a story. He couldn't love me because I'm unlovable. This is a story. If every time you tell the story and draw the conclusion that the narcissistic behavior is or was a result of some deep-seated inadequacy within yourself, you'll remain stuck in that story. If you find yourself going back over particular things that happened where you may have acted out, yelled, screamed, smashed things, or anything that might have happened at a time where you were feeling fragile, crazy, angry, threatened, or insecure, and drawing the conclusions that it must have been you, stop drawing that conclusion. Crazy-making behavior makes us feel crazy, and when we feel crazy, we often do crazy things. A dog that's been beaten could be a really nice dog and would never hurt anyone until he reaches the end of his rope and bites the hand that's abusing him. Victims of abuse will often confess their sins to me, telling me all the horrible things they did in that relationship or the crazy behavior they had when the relationship was ending. They might confess screaming, yelling, stalking, driving by the home of the narcissist, calling him 50 times a day, and other extremely irrational behavior. They ask me if this isn't proof that there's something wrong with them. I might tell them it isn't unusual behavior for someone whose reality has been methodically disassembled prior to being devalued and discarded like a piece of trash. As we go back over their history, they usually tell me they've never behaved this way before. This wasn't normal for them. It's like that dog. His normal behavior is friendly and affectionate, but in the wrong hands, he becomes defensive and even violent. Many people ask me, how do they know that they aren't the crazy one or the one with a problem? How do they know that they're not the narcissist or the borderline? And I want to encourage all of you listening to learn to trust yourself. The fact that you're listening to this podcast tells me that you're open to learning about yourself. Most of the people I work with are open and willing to self-reflect. This is not true for a narcissist. If a narcissist does listen to my podcast, it's usually with the intention of finding fault with what I'm saying and offering what they believe to be constructive criticism, if not downright attacks. I'm not saying that we don't have issues. We all have issues. We all have things we're working on. We all have some core wounds and beliefs that get activated. We all have things we regret saying or doing. We all can remember times where we really weren't ourselves. Some of you might be struggling with addictions or codependency. You may need to learn to manage your empathic nature. You may need to learn how to draw strong boundaries and stand up for yourself. You may need to practice self-love and claim or reclaim your self-worth. 
We all need to be careful not to confuse perfectionism with health. The need to see oneself as perfect is not healthy because it doesn't leave room for the beautiful imperfection that is our nature. We make mistakes. We screw up. We do the wrong thing. The important thing is that we're able to reflect on our own behavior and are capable of making changes. That means learning from our mistakes. The balancing act in healing from narcissistic abuse is to establish healthy self-reflection without the black and white, all-or-nothing thinking that gets us into trouble. The question, is he the problem or am I, is an example of black and white thinking. We all participate in the problem, even if we're unconscious of it. You may say, one thing that kept me hooked was my own belief that I was somehow inadequate and needed to prove myself. This type of reflection has you owning part of your own problem without assigning all of it to the narcissist or all of it to you. The narcissist may have treated you in ways where you ended up feeling inadequate. Now your feeling inadequate belongs to you, but the way the narcissist treated you belongs to him. Our greatest healing comes in our taking responsibility for our own part, whatever this is. This is not about blaming the victim or saying that you are responsible for what happened. You may have been completely unconscious in that relationship, and now that you've stepped away from it and are doing your work, you might see exactly where you went, unconscious, and why. You might be able to see why you stayed, why you were always triggered, what your greatest fears were, how you allowed yourself to be controlled, what your hook was, and what your false beliefs were. If you develop an understanding that as horrible as the whole thing was, it gave you insight into yourself you may not have been able to get in any other situation. If you develop this kind of understanding, you may be able to see that narcissistic abuse was the catalyst for your greatest transformation. This is also a story. To tell yourself that the narcissist was the catalyst for your greatest transformation is a story that is positive and gives the trauma that you went through meaning and purpose. These are the kinds of stories we want to learn to tell ourselves and others. When you tell yourself stories like, the narcissist has power over me, he or she destroyed me, He or she ruined my life. I will never recover from this, or I'll never love again. You're telling a story that is harmful to you, because the more you tell yourself stories like this, the more your subconscious absorbs them as beliefs. You come to believe that you are powerless, destroyed, ruined, and incapable of love. One of the most important things to remember is that your beliefs are one of the most powerful influencers of your life. What you believe matters. The late Wayne Dyer wrote a book called 
you will see it when you believe it. It's one of those powerful titles that say it all. You don't even need to open the book to get the message. You just need to understand that your beliefs really do create your experience of reality. When you believe your disempowering stories, you become even more disempowered. The beautiful thing is that you can create a different story. You can create a story with a happy ending. You can create a story where you, the star of your story, rises up out of the ashes of destruction and creates the most amazing life for yourself. You can create the story of a self-love so powerful that you are a magnet for people who really love and respect you. You can create a powerful success story. You are only really limited by what you believe is possible. If you've lost faith in yourself, it may be a real challenge to believe that greatness is possible. You need to at least be willing to entertain the possibility. Dream big. Use your imagination and imagine what it would be like to have a really amazing, fulfilling life. The single most important thing for you to believe about yourself is you are enough. You were born enough and you have everything you need within you to overcome, to rise up, and to step into the person you've come here to be. Don't ever let anyone tell you that you're not enough, and don't ever believe it yourself. You are enough. Write that on your bathroom mirror. I am enough. It's time to create a story that supports you and where you want to go in your life. The death of your past is followed by the rebirth into what could be a really amazing future. But you need to write your story to reflect that amazing future. Okay, so you learned what love wasn't. Now create a story where you learn what love really is. Create a story where you step into your glorious power and have more confidence and self-love than you ever have. Create a story where you take the hardships of your past and use them to teach or inspire others or to create art or music or write that book. If you need to get help to overcome complex PTSD, please do so. If you need to work on healing your core wounds and beliefs, get help. We're not an island and we're not meant to do everything alone. Sometimes we need to reach out for a helping hand, and reaching out for help and even investing in yourself is the mark of a strong person, not a weak one. Strong people ask for help when they need it. You may need help rising up from the ashes and launching into your new life. May it be a great life. Your dreams can still come true. It's never too late to find happiness and personal fulfillment. May you walk in peace, love, and joy. Thank you for listening today. For more information on my coaching, counseling, hypnotherapy, books, and audios, please visit NarcissismFree.com. Blessings, and I will see you in the next podcast.